You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Well, then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, manyroadstravel.com. So without further ado, let's hit the road. So it's episode 35. And on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about we leave the Virunga National Park where I saw the gorillas the day before, which was amazeballs. And traveling through the Democratic Republic of Congo, used to be known as Zaire, to Goma. And then also we have a very lovely unexpected day in Rwanda. And we will be covering about 230 miles on this leg of the journey, taking us up to 15,940 miles covered so far. So pick it up where we left off on day 223. We were up early, about six in the morning, because we wanted to get the bus from near the park to, to Goma. Now, the annoying Brazilian who we'd met the day before called Jacques, who either way I've known as Knobhead, <laughs> basically the typical young, arrogant, sexist traveling dude. <laughs> He's just so annoying. Yeah, so he said, oh, we have to be at the, the market to get the bus at, I think it was like 7 or 7.30 or something like that. So we were supposed to, all three of us, so I'm traveling with my friend Claire, who I'd met in Nairobi. We've been traveling together for almost two months now. The three of us were supposed to go together to the market to get the bus. But of course, Jacques had decided to leave at six in the morning before we were up, so which was fine by me. <laughs> like I said, he was super annoying. So basically packed up and you had you had to hire local boys as porters from the park either to the border uganda or to the market to get the bus which is fine because it's a little bit of money for them so we picked our two boys i couldn't find john my guy my awesome little dude who <laughs> carried my bag uh, on the way there and as we're leaving this overland truck someone from the overland trucks who again were kind of my nemesis there are these big tour groups that are in these humongous overland trucks shouted out oh yeah look at those two backpacking around africa with porters i almost lost it <laughs> i was just like right this is only the second time we've used a porter and we had to once was going there and once going back and i seriously wanted just to say oh yeah look at you bunch of little group of mostly you know white westerners in your little bubble thinking you're seeing africa when you don't do anything for yourself you sit in this truck and and sleep usually <laughs> So, I don't know, just a little annoying thing. Anyway, so we, we, we took off. So it took us about an hour and a half. It was about eight to nine kilometer walk to the market. And Claire was a little bit stressed because I think we're going to miss the bus. But I was like, listen, after I don't know, seven months in Africa, I know that transport never, ever leaves on time. So I was not that stressed about it, basically. So we got to the market, paid our boys, and it gave a big tip at about 8.30. And Jacques was there, but I guess he only got there about 15 minutes before us and he left an hour before us. So girl power. <laughs> 
and of course the bus wasn't even there <laughs> so you know when you're right you're right what can i say claire and i just popped down and waited it out we bought some bread and avocado so we just had that while we're waiting and then we also found out we could either take truck to goma or the bus so the truck was five million <laughs> the bus was eight million yeah it was great we were millionaires in uh, the congo as well because at the time it was six million zaire dollars to one u.s dollar it was so crazy like you see everyone would carry like plastic bags or duffel bags full of money because the biggest note was one million <laughs> it was ridiculous nowadays it's like I said, it's not even called Zaire, it's called the Democratic Republic of Congo, or Congo for short. And they now have the Congo francs, so it's about 2,000 francs to the one US dollar nowadays. So we decided to opt for the bus, so what, it was like just over a dollar. <laughs> Which was a good choice, because it was fairly comfortable, it wasn't quite as jam-packed as usual. The first part of the roads are really bad, full of potholes, you know, dirt roads kind of through dense forest jungle kind of thing of Africa. It's so, the scenery is absolutely stunning, beautiful, very lush, very green. And then you'd see like ravines and rolling hills. So just before we got to Rachura, which is originally where we got the bus to, I think we had to stop there first. But just before we got there, the bus gets stopped. And next thing we know, these two guys in camouflage with AK-47s gets on the bus in the Congo they speak French and so they're shouting at everyone in French to get off the bus we're just like oh my god and so we get off the bus and then they made all of us line up along the bus we were so scared it was crazy because we could just see there was about 15 20 people all dressed up in camouflage including like young kids like 10 12 years old with AK-47s like oh my god we've just left the gorillas the animals and now we have been stopped by gorillas as in militia very very scary well luckily for us they were looking for a particular man and he wasn't on the bus so I went from oh my god we're about to be robbed raped and murdered to everyone get back on the bus <laughs> so I was like, okay, there's a little heart attack. So we just got back on the bus and kind of calmed down and carried on and arrived in Rishura. And then we found out that the bus did continue to Goma for an extra couple million. So that was great. We're like, okay, cool, we'll continue on. And then the, that road from Rishura to Goma was one of the best roads I'd been on since Kenya. It was a paved road, excellent. <laughs> I was like, wow, didn't even think these existed anymore in Africa. <laughs> So that was cool. And we got to Goma at about three o'clock. Still absolutely beautiful scenery, palm trees, and banana trees. And it's just so beautiful. Like when you think of what does the heart of Africa look like, this is it basically. So we got to Goma about 3 p.m. And then it was the usual, let's find somewhere cheap to stay. And of course, Jacques decided to tag along with us. There was two missions that we could stay at, but they were both full. So we walked both out like, okay. So continue the walk. Then, of course, we are in the slummy part of town because <laughs> that's where the cheap hotels are, where Lonely Planet suggested. So we headed that area because the other side of Goma is really posh and really lovely and luxury items and shops and a lot of well-dressed people. The other half, not so much, <laughs> which, of course, is where we stay. So found a hotel. It's called Lemete Hotel, and it was 20 million for a double, which was OK. Did manage to get a bucket shower. 
which were quite rare. So you literally just get a bucket of water and a, a cup. And that's the, <laughs> that's your shower. <laughs> if you're lucky, it might be hot or like warm water, but, but often it was just cold water too. So great. So yeah, showering didn't happen a lot <laughs> on this trip. You go days without one just because it wasn't available really. After we showered and we, we hit the road to find somewhere to eat. And in front of this one restaurant was this lovely big mama you know, jolly fat mama with gold teeth <laughs> and she shouted out to us in French and it was good I, I my French is okay so she called us in for dinner so we were chatting to her she was awesome also Goma was renowned for cheese because mostly everywhere in Africa where I've been so far it was just either processed cheese in a tin or processed cheese slices so actual real cheese goma cheese was renowned throughout africa so we're like we definitely want some of this while we're here but because it was dinner we ended up having a really good fish dinner and a couple of primus beers so that was their local beer there's big bottles of primus which was really good actually lager also another recurring theme is the electricity tends to go out about 7 p.m most nights <laughs> every night so you, you tend to eat by candlelight which is nice <laughs> but the walks home were always fun because like i said a lot of the roads were full of potholes so those that was always a mission to get home especially after drinking beers <laughs> the next day we're up at 5 45 a.m because our bedtimes were about nine we couldn't stay up much after nine because we're up early almost every morning whether we wanted to or needed to or not a little bit later on we went we went for breakfast like I said, I was on the hunt for the Goma cheese. We ended up just going back to Mama's and she made us up this amazing cheese omelet, toast, some homemade jam, and a huge pot of black tea. Yummy. And it was probably about a dollar. <laughs> and I have to say the cheese lived up to its reputation. It was delicious. So our next stop was to buy ferry tickets for the Lake Kivu Ferry. Basically, you go down from Goma, down Lake Kivu to Bukavu. It's still in the Congo. And the Lonely Planet had said, this is just an amazing ferry ride. You really need to do it. The views are amazing. You know, all that jazz. So we're like, okay, for sure, let's do it. Go to where we buy t ferry tickets. Well, it's just like a massive rugby scrum. Africans don't do the queuing. <laughs> Basically, it's just usually a scrum and you have to kind of elbow your way to the front <laughs> it's ridiculous it took us about i don't know an hour and a half to get these tickets and they end up we had a choice of either first class for 75 million or second class for 37 and a half million of course you know us budget travelers we went opted for the second class so that's at six dollars we later regretted that choice for sure <laughs> and of course whilst we're getting these tickets who do we bump into Jacques the dickhead. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, can't lose this dude, man. And he, he told us that he had left his tent on the bus the day before, so he's really upset about that. And all I was thinking is, damn, I wish I would have known because I would have picked it up. Because <laughs> my tent was on its last legs. It was it leaked when it rained, and usually whenever I camped, it rained. <laughs> usually right after I set up the tent. And also, because it was like a pop-up tent, so I only had two tent poles, and one of my tent poles was broken. I did try and fix it with some bicycle inner tubing, which did help a little bit, but it was still busted. So a tent, like I said, was on its last legs. So I really had no sympathy for him, to be honest. Next stop was to change some money because we need some, some more millions, basically. <laughs> you know, this is 1993, so no ATMs. It literally is just traveler's checks or cash. And I wanted to change some travel checks because I was getting very low on U.S. cash. So Jack had said, oh, the day before, he'd met this guy who gave him a really good deal on cash. So he said, I'll, I'll 
bring you to where he was. So we went with him to meet this guy. But he would only give me $4.5 million for the traveler's checks and, like I said, $6 million for cash. So I was like, well, that's not a really good deal. Left Jacques and Claire and I went to a couple of the really posh hotels, hoping we can get it changed there because it was a Saturday, so the banks were closed. Banks were closed on the weekends. I had even more annoyance <laughs> to try and change money. Then we ended up going to this one posh hotel, which was called Hotel du Lac. But the front desk were like, no, we don't do traveler's checks. And that's another thing. It's really funny because, well, especially in Goma, you'd see all these storefronts and or even front of houses, like porches in front of houses. And there would just be, usually it seemed big mamas <laughs> sitting behind, I mean, a massive stack of Congo, like Zaire money. I, I mean, honestly, it would be about five feet tall, <laughs> four or five feet tall and go all the way around them. And they'd just be sitting there. That, that's who you change money with. It was like, okay. But again, they just didn't change traveler's checks. So whilst we're still in Hotel du Lac, we met this really nice guy called Alain. And he said, oh, listen, I'm friends with the manager at one of the banks. So maybe I can see if he could help you out today, even though it's a Saturday. We're like, okay, that's great. We go to the bank and his the manager's not there. And I end up talking to one of the, the women that worked there. And they're like, oh, well, there's there's even though the banks aren't open, technically, there's no money in the banks anyways. I was like, what? <laughs> And she says, oh, Mobutu, who was the evil president at the time for many years, he basically, he sends his army or the army just goes based on their own accord and just takes all the money from the banks and also robs other businesses to pay themselves because no one in the government had been paid. Some of the people hadn't been paid for two years. I met a teacher. He hadn't been paid for seven months. I was like, how do you get by? How do you live? He said, oh, my friends and family from Uganda sent me money. I was just like, that's so crazy. So teachers, all government employees hadn't been paid between six months and two years. Yeah, because the army just steals all the money. And Mobutu also stole millions as well. Found out he was one of the richest men in Africa at the time because he stole all the country's money, basically. Pretty harsh going. I mean, it's still not great there, but... It was especially bad back then. I asked the lady, I was like, well, why do you come to the bank if you, there's no money here? Like, what do you do? And she's like, well, what else am I going to do? I just come here and hang out for the day. I'm like, okay, that's very strange, but what, I guess. Alain went with us to a few of the people, you know, on the money changers on their porches. <laughs> but again, no one wanted to change traveler's checks. So then Alain finally said, listen, I'll just give you $100 cash for your $100 traveler's checks. And then we can change the cash. Oh my God, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. So then I changed about $40. And because you couldn't change that much at a time. <laughs> like I said, you just, it comes in stacks and stacks of cash. Got that. And then he said, Well, you ladies fancy a drink. And I were like, Okay, sure. So he took us to a really nice restaurant. Uh, we had a round of beers and we started chatting to him. He's such, he was honestly the nicest guy. And he's married and had two kids and he worked for an English coffee company. So not the government. So that's why he had money. <laughs> And he lived in a, a different part of, of the Congo. So he was there on business. Zaire used to be a, a Belgian colony. So he was half Belgium and half Zaire, Congo, Congolese. But he went to school in Belgium. So he spoke very good English and obviously very good French. He ordered another round of drinks on our, on our second beers. Then he said, well, what are you girls up to today? And we're like, well, you know, we've kind of done all we really need to do. We've got our ferry tickets. And he's like, well, hey, do you want to go to Rwanda for the day? <laughs> He goes, I'll just rent a taxi and I know people at the border. We can sort it out. Just looked at each other like, yeah, let's do this. So he's like, okay. So finished our beers. He called a taxi. We got to the border. The border is really close by. It's only about five kilometers. 
and he talked to a few of the custom people and you know paid a few bribes <laughs> and we got stamped into Rwanda and we were in Rwanda so it's like awesome so we we're in Kisanyi Rwanda then we walked to the beach it was about a 45 minute walk to the beach and it was so beautiful like I thought we were in the Med or Caribbean Island now it was like night and day <laughs> from where we were to Rwanda because there was all these really super fancy hotels and you overlook the lake paved roads and there were huge beautiful houses with manicured lawns and to see all these like Mercedes and BMWs and brand new Range Rovers and it was just crazy so we went to one of the posh hotels beautiful terrace overlooking the lake I was like let's have some more beers <laughs> so we just drank some beers and we we're there for a couple hours it was just amazing bless him he was just a great guy we walked back along the beach and back to the border across the border no problems got a taxi back to hotel hotel de lac Alain was like well you're hungry let's have some dinner <laughs> we were pretty drunk by now at this point so we're like okay that sounds great we ordered a goma cheese fondue <laughs> and some more cheese omelets and a couple more beers. It was just, it was such a reprieve for Claire and I. It was like this little day of luxury and free for us too. It was awesome. After dinner, Alan said, listen, I got to go and do some business, but it was really lovely meeting you girls, safe travels, gave us a hug and he was off. It was just like, wow, it's so nice to meet people like that. <laughs> While we were sitting at the restaurant, this random local guy came up to us. He said, I've been looking for you ladies all day. You left your tent and the bus. We're like, oh, no, it's not our tent. It's we know the guy whose tent it is, though. And he's like, OK, well, listen, I'll come back at seven and take you to the bus driver who has the tent. Now, because it's Jacques tent, I was like, hmm. But, uh, you know, karma and you always help other travelers, even if they are dickheads. <laughs> so we're like, OK, that's fine. We'll, we'll do that. It was about six o'clock at this point. And then about 15 minutes later, well, who walks up to us? Jacques the twat. <laughs> so we tell him, some guy quit us, we got your tent, or you can go get your tent at seven o'clock for the driver. And then, of course, told him about our amazing day, and, and we're quite gloating about that. Like I said, he was annoying. So then he told us, well, he got arrested that day for taking photos near the port. <laughs> Which was hilarious, but he did manage to talk his way out of it. it might have, I think he had to do a little bribe or something, but it was rather funny. So we just told him, well, come back here at seven and we'll introduce you to the guy and he can take you get your tent. See, they're such good citizens. After dinner, we walked back through town to the nice part of town. Then we decided, well, let's just stop into Mama's for a nightcap <laughs> on our way back to the hotel. So we did that. She was happy to see us. We talked to her for a little bit. Literally, by this point, we stumbled back to the hotel about 9.30 and literally just crashed. But it was just such an awesome day. That part of Goma was really nice. Like, But Alan had told us earlier that, you know, most of the well-dressed people you saw were influential government employee worked in the government basically and you know they just stole their money <laughs> which I can totally believe and it was also quite funny listening to Africans speak French although when I thought about it afterwards I'm like well actually French actually suits them better than English in a weird way but it was nice to practice my French anyways it was a super super day but I knew that with every good day a half a dozen bad ones are about to follow and when you listen to next week's episode there is two back-to-back -back ones coming up you'll hear about lots of very fun two different fairies two different experiences shall we say 
if you've been listening to the episodes, as you know, I've had truck nightmares, especially Ethiopian episode. I've had bus nightmares in many episodes, including this one. <laughs> well, it could have been a lot worse. Train nightmares, Sudan episode, and now comes the fairy nightmare. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe and catch next Thursday's episode. And please also leave your reviews on Apple. That's probably the best bet, so I can give you some shout outs. And now it's time for... Tam's top tips. Tip number one about Goma. Well, I just found out that in 2002, the Nirongo volcano exploded and Goma was wiped out. Like it was just completely destroyed by lava. So since 2002, they've been rebuilding it. I think by now it's probably mostly rebuilt, but that's crazy. But Goma is very close to Rwanda, so it's a good spot for that. Uh, it's also good to climb that volcano when it's not exploding. And also it's based to go see the gorillas, to do gorilla trekking. And so tip number two about the gorilla trekking. So that's in the Virunga National Park. There's a couple of places you can go as well as the one I went to in, like, in the last episode. But it's $600 for the permit, which you can book online. And then the easiest way to get your Congo visa is to get your receipt from the Gorilla Permit and include that when you apply online for your visa. And the visa for the Congo is $100. And then for Rwanda, it is $50 for a visa at port of entry or for a single entry or $70 for a multiple entry one. And the budget, it's about... I'd say, you know, $25 a day for average accommodation. And you can also see the gorillas from Rwanda, and it's $1,500 for a permit. And I was also in Rwanda eight months before the genocide. So that's pretty crazy, because like I said, in Kisinyi, Rwanda, you know, it, it felt very posh and, and didn't feel vibe or anything like that. But I was still in Africa when the genocide happened which is devastating. I mean, they reckon at least about a million people were killed throughout Rwanda and Burundi. And so very, very sad. That was in, I think, April to July 94. But Rwanda nowadays is fine. And it's more, probably more of an influential country in Africa. So I would recommend it, basically. And then for solo female travelers, I mean, even now, the Congo, you know, there's a lot of still militia there. They say most, you know, Goma's okay because of the gorillas and stuff. So it's, you, you'd be safe. You'd be all right there. I mean, if you were nervous at all, you could always meet other travelers in Uganda or even Rwanda and go to Congo with them. Kind of. But I think it'd be okay. I mean, don't go into much more of Congo because I don't know how dangerous it is right now. And obviously with COVID, you have to wait COVID's over. The country itself is so beautiful, like absolutely stunning. And obviously the gorillas was one of my favorite days in my life to this day. And I would suggest see the gorillas in, in the Congo, which is where I did. Okay, well, I think that's a wrap for this week. So head on over to manyroadstravel.com. Any more info? And we'll see you next Thursday. Until then, safe travels one more time. Bye.